You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Good evening. Great. It's a little bit quiet in here for my liking, but I'm sure we're just getting used to a new space. And uh, great to see you here as we kick off the six. I've got to say, I had one of those moments which, uh, if any of you lead anything, you'll identify with, where uh, everything had gone well. You know, the team were in here. I've been really amazing. But uh, about 20 to 6, I was just uh, in prayer in my office, and I came down. I just had a moment. I was like, Lord, I hope somebody comes. <laughs> and, uh, and then I heard a buzz of people, and uh, it was very reassuring. So uh, it's great that you've come. Uh, this is a bit of a, a faith step for us, uh, not really knowing, but sensing that God wants to do something here on a Sunday night on a weekly basis, that, that we've been talking about birthing something. And, uh, and I want to say a big thank you, first up, to the team that has been in over the last several weeks, preparing and shaping, those that have been serving, those that, that came in to set this up. You know, we, we say this, it's like the... You know, chairs don't put themselves out, toilets don't clean themselves, and somebody's done it. I want to say a massive thank you to you. And uh, if you're new here among us, you want to get involved, just talk to one of us that looks vaguely like we know what's going on, and, uh, or someone with a lanyard. We're just making this up as we go, but excited about the journey of what God wants to do here. And uh, also, you know, we, we don't normally do a shout out for, for like the, the core, the staff team, that carries a lot. We get on with it. It's our privilege to serve and do what we do. But this last few months has been a massive push and a stretch, even getting this on top of everything else. And, you know, and all the guys that you see around, I want to say, can we say thank you to, to these guys who, who helped get us to here? Well done. Awesome. Um, you know, I, I'm super excited. Uh, not about, well, I am excited about tonight. Don't get me wrong, but I'm excited about what tonight says, what tonight represents, because I believe in this space, God is going to do something new. That this is going to be an incredible environment where God wants to impact so many lives. I believe for us as a church, this is a new chapter. You know, I, I don't know if we'll, if we'll ever write a book about what God did at CLM. You know, I'm not much into all of that, but it is amazing we look back really, as to what God has been doing. You know, if we, if we did write a book, I'm not saying we will or we should, but if we did, I, I think there's going to be a chapter called The Six, because I, I just, I think this is going to launch us into something, not just on Sunday nights, I think it's going to be catalytic to a new chapter in the life of the church. You know, the truth is that I, I had a different message under my belt for tonight, and those of you that preach, you, you'll understand this, it was, it was a great text with easy points, quite easy to prepare, definitely easy to preach and easy to respond to. But you know, this week I just didn't feel I could bring it. And uh, I felt the Lord really constrain me that, that I needed to speak into what we sense God wants to do here. And, uh, and I do so slightly with, with fear and trembling because I have a conviction that as a church, we're not quite gonna be the same again. And uh, that God is gonna do something. See, I, I'd love you to understand this isn't a pragmatic decision. You know, you could look at our mornings and we're 90% full in the morning, and you could look and say, well, it's just obvious that you need to do another service, and I get that. But you've got to understand, we've been praying into this for two years. And last year, as a, as a group of elders, because we, we don't want to birth anything that's just pragmatic. We want to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, because God knows what He wants to do. And so, as elders last year, we took a step in the summer. We said, 2019, we are going to do 
uh, another service. We know, we just had a sense. And we, we weren't sure exactly what time it was going to be, what it was going to look like. And then towards the end of the year, we gathered as elders and as a staff team that carry the weight of Sundays. And we, we gathered together to worship and to listen. And uh, I'm not sure I've quite done, done it like this before, but we just gathered, we worshiped. And we're just listening to the Lord and saying, what is the Lord saying? What's the Lord saying about this? You know, what, what's the time? What, what's the time that we should go forward with something? What time of day? But more importantly, Lord, do you, know, do you want to do this? And if so, what do you want to do in this? And the Lord started speaking so clearly to us, so powerfully to us that we had such a profound sense that, you know, we, it wasn't a sense that we'd come up with a plan and we were asking God to bless it. It was like the Lord was saying, will you please create this space for me? because I want a space where people are gonna come home and find me. And there was this whole prophetic sense of sons and daughters finding him. You know, if you're, if you're here tonight and you don't yet know Jesus, I believe God put this, this service on for you. You know, this is it. So it's such a clear sense that this is gonna be a space where people find God. There was such a clear sense that God said he's gonna do a new thing. I don't believe that's just in this service, I mean, through our church, but as we take this step, this is going to be part of a new era, a new chapter in the life of our church. And God wants to do something new. We thank God for everything to date. You know, we, we're so grateful for what God has done, but a sense of the, you know, the Lord's always doing a new thing. You know, we get stuck in the old thing, but God's always doing a new thing. He's so creative. And it's like the Lord has sensitive said, I want to do something new. We had a sense about the, the glory of God. And I, and I don't, you know, I, I, you got to understand, like there are, there are some topics that are like, I, I'm not going to touch. And one of them is the glory of God. It's like, I'm not going to speak about the glory of God unless I know he's asking me to. And, and, and where he's led me to tonight, it's an area that I, I wouldn't choose to speak on because there's some, there's some areas, do you understand me? There's some areas that they're holy. And it's like, you, you don't touch them unless you're a fool. Unless you know God is asking you to speak on, but God started to speak into us about revealing His glory. In a sense, God wants to reveal His glory. If we prepare our hearts, you know, God wants to encounter us. God wants to encounter you at another level. And so we had a number of things. We had pictures of, of a table laden, and, and, and like the Lord was saying, just put it on, let people come. And it wasn't. It wasn't a table laden of, of things that we're, I mean, we've got donuts at the end, but it wasn't that. It was like something much more profound than that, that God wants us to taste something of who He is that would change us, transform us from the inside out. And so, so I sense this week the Lord draw me to two passages of Scripture that perhaps sum up a bit of, of what He's been speaking about. And the passages concern holy ground. I wonder if we can say holy ground together. Holy ground. Holy ground is, an, is a subject I'm not going to speak on unless I know God is drawing me to speak on holy ground. You know, so maybe, maybe this preach is more of a prophetic declaration, more of a statement of faith of saying, God, I, I believe you want to create holy ground here, a place where we're going to meet God himself. You know, I, I've been ruined for anything other than God himself. You know, if, you, if ever you've been on holy ground, you can't go back from that. And the privilege of my life is I've, I've had moments where I've encountered the reality of God Himself. And it's just, it changes your life. You, you're never the same if you meet with Him. And so I had this sense that, that God wants to do something here. And I want to speak about holy ground, that as we gather on these Sunday evenings, that it would become holy ground, that our hearts would become holy ground. 
that it would be a place where God can move and can meet us. In Hebrew, the word for holy is kodesh, and the New Testament word for holy is hagios, and they, they both mean, they mean a set apart. They mean a partner, sacred. They, they mean totally other. You know, the, the, the angels in, in Revelation says they sing, holy, holy, holy. You know, it's more than purity, it's purity, but it's so much more than purity. It's totally other. It's saying there is no, you know, we sometimes think there is no one like you, God. That, that's holy. There's no one like God. There's no one can come anywhere near our God. That's holy. That's what Hagios is. That's what Kodesh is. That's, he is, he's set apart. He is something else. And when God shows up, the place where he is, that's holy ground. That becomes different. You know, there have been times in my life that I would look back and, and I'd see them like holy ground. Whether that's what God would call them, they were like holy ground to me. I remember when I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit as a teenager in a Hollybush farm in Yorkshire. And it was a slightly unusual place. But for me, it became holy ground. It was where I met God. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I had a vision for the first time. I was, I was awake. I wasn't asleep, but I, I saw something in my spirit. It was, I can't even begin to describe to what happened. But I encountered God, and it was holy ground. I remember, some of you will remember the first time Nick Resky came here on a Sunday night. One or two of you were in the room upstairs, and, and there was such a release of prophetic flow and utterance that night, it was like holy ground, wasn't it? Like those of you who were there, it was just for about an hour or something. Nick, our friend from Australia, just started prophesying, picking people out, and it was, there was this holy hush. It was like holy ground. It's, there have been those moments in, in my life, I remember it, it being outside Wilco's in the rain, and, and having an epiphany, having a moment where against all the circumstances, I knew in the depth of my being that God was gonna provide for us as a family, even though all the numbers said, said otherwise. And I had a release, I remember praising God. It was lashing with rain. I was outside Wilco's. It was not the most exotic environment, but I wanna tell you, when you're on holy ground, you never forget where you were. You never forget where you were if you're on holy ground. I remember the wicker chair I was kneeling and leaning against when the Lord prompted me to resurrender my life in 2010. And I'll share a little bit about that. I remember earlier that year being the preacher in a service and, and it's like the presence of the Lord was so strong that night. It was, it was just incredible. And I remember at the end of the worship, the guy that was leading the meeting, he just he pushed the offering, the notices to one side and he said, look, Martin, you just need to get up. And I remember preaching and and people were, people were being delivered from, from demonic oppression while I was preaching. People were being filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember a response, like people couldn't make their way down the front. I remember making a response for people to respond to the gospel, to give their lives to Jesus for the first time. And, and like people couldn't get through, we had to send people back. And I remember my, my friend Paul had a word of knowledge. And he said, he'd said to me before, and he said, I've got a, I, I feel there's, there's somebody uh, battling with depression, and I, I might need to bring this word. And I thought, well, you know, in a, in a crowd of 300 people, there's probably going to be someone battling with depression, right? It's not a word of knowledge. But I'm getting up and him saying, there's someone here, you've been battling with depression, and you've got a journal, and on the front of the journal, there's a big M, and on the right-hand side, it swirls round, and it's, and it's pink, and inside, you've written some thoughts, and, and those thoughts are really expressing your heart, and they're really the guts of what you're going through at the moment. And in your bedroom, you've got a three-paneled 
uh, dressing table unit. And on the right-hand panel, you've got some photos. And when you look at those, sometimes they can stir up these emotions. And there was a, a young lady who was in church for the very first time that night. And she gasped when he mentioned the journal. And I remember her putting her hand up and people having to make way for her to come down the front. I want to tell you it was holy ground. And I, and I tell you that, you've got to hear me, this is not nostalgia. I'm, I'm not trying to get back to anything other than whenever you've been on holy ground, you, you can't not want to be there again. It changes your life. And I have this sense that God, God wants to make CLM a place that is holy ground. If you're around this church, you know we love the wider church. We're passionate about kingdom partnership. We're always going to big up the wider church in the city. We're so thrilled and, and humbled that we should be a part of the unity movement that is happening here in the city. And our brothers and sisters in other churches, it means everything to us. And yet, I, I'm unashamed to say I believe God wants to make this place holy ground in the coming season. If you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to two passages of Scripture where we, we see the term holy ground. If you know your Bible, you'll know we're heading to Exodus, first of all, chapter 3. If you're brand new uh, and you, you've never seen a Bible, don't worry, we're going to put the, the words up on the screens. You see in the, in the Bible, there's an, the Old Testament, which is the front part, and the, new te- the, the back part, the New Testament, which is the front part. The old part points towards Jesus, the new part contains Jesus and speaks uh, to us that are the followers of Jesus. But here in In Exodus 3, the Lord appears to Moses. You see, God's people, the Israelites, they're captive. They're slaves in Egypt at this point. But their cry has reached God's ears. And there's been a decree, you see, while while Israel was slaves in Egypt, the king of Egypt or or the pharaoh of Egypt, he he has put a decree that all the baby boys should be be killed or drowned, that they they should be killed at birth. But there's a, a young boy called Moses who who escapes uh, that, that tyranny. And his mom puts him in a basket and puts him on a river and prays that someone will find him. And, and Pharaoh's own daughter finds this basket and she adopts the boy herself. And so Moses, he's an Israelite, uh, and yet he grows up adopted like an Egyptian prince in the house of Pharaoh. And, and some of you have seen Prince of Egypt. And uh, that's, where, that's where it comes from. But it was in here first. And... Um, and Moses, uh, but Moses, he grows up and when he's of age, he sees one of his fellow men, one of the Hebrews being beaten up by one of the Egyptians and he looks around and doesn't seem as though there's anybody around. And so he kills the Egyptian, but then it comes to light that somebody's seen him. And so he flees for his life and he ends up in a foreign place, a place called Midian. And for 40 years, he's, he's serving his father-in-law, a Midianite. And, uh, and, and really, he, it looks like, like his life is destined for that. But then God meets him. God meets him in Exodus 3. And this is what the Bible says, now Moses. Can we say, now Moses? Now Moses. Was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. 
at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said to him, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. Just hold that thought there because what happens is Moses responds to the call. Uh, there's a bit of wrestling goes on, but ultimately, and to cut a very long story short, he plays his part in seeing Israel delivered out of slavery and miraculously they pass through the Red Sea and they end up in the wilderness. And then what should have taken 11 days, it's an 11 day journey, took them 40 years. And then his young successor, Joshua, leads the people out of the wilderness across another piece of water, the River Jordan, into what's called the promise land, the place that they were headed for. And they get over the Jordan and the Bible says that all of their enemies had no courage left to face them. This is at the start of Joshua chapter 5. But God appeared to Joshua. And before they went in, before they went and took the promised land, before they possessed Jericho, God appears in a similar way to Joshua. And this is what the Bible says about Joshua. Joshua 5. Verse 13, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. Then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals. Sound familiar? For the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. For both of these men, for Moses and for Joshua, they encountered God on holy ground. And we look at these two stories, we see some similarities and I, I wanna touch on four really quickly. Firstly, holy ground is a place of encounter. Can we say encounter? You know, these are, these are deeply personal accounts. For, for Moses, it's, it's just God and Moses. For, for Joshua, it's just the commander of the Lord's army. We don't know if that's Jesus or if it's an angel, but it certainly says God spoke to him in that place and he was afraid to look at God. And, and Joshua encountered God in that place. Holy ground is a place of encounter. You know, on holy ground, it's just you and God. And hear me right to qualify that. You can be in a crowd of a thousand people, but if God shows up and meets you, if the place where you are becomes holy ground to you, it's like there's no one else in the room. Hello? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? If you've ever encountered God in a public space, it's as if there's no one else there. No, no one else really matters in that place. It's profoundly personal. For Moses, he'd been out in the desert he, we, he was clearly aware of his heritage as an Israelite, but there's no suggestion up until this point that Moses had personally encountered God. There's no story, there's no backstory that Moses knew God. And for 40 years, he, he, was, he was definitely a sinner. He was a murderer. In his own eyes, he was a failure. And here he is, it doesn't look like he was a praying man. It doesn't look like, like he really knew God. In fact, it seems just by pure chance he, he takes his flock and they wind up, the Bible says, on Horeb. I don't know if you noticed that, which is the mountain of God. You see, Moses drifted his flock and ended up on a holy place. And he didn't even know it. And there was a bush that wasn't burned up. He said, oh, go and check that out. And what he found was that he was on holy ground. 
And I believe that as we open up this space on a Sunday night, there are going to be some people, they're going to come, they go, I'm just going to check that thing out. They have no idea it's going to become holy ground for them. They have no idea that, that they're going to come into this place and they're going to meet God. They're going to encounter God. It's going to change their life forever. That's what we're believing for here as we open this up on a Sunday night. We're believing that, that, this, that this place becomes holy ground through our three services through the day. That people will come. Some people don't even know God. They're, they're just going to say, I've heard something's going on. What's that thing, the six? It's why you need to invite your friends. It's why you need to, to message out. Use our little Instagram things tonight. Do whatever you need to do. Because some people are going to go, I'm going to check that thing out. But they're going to come and gonna find it's holy ground. See, for Joshua, he knew God. He was, he was different. See, Moses, Moses went on his journey and Moses, he, he came to speak to God, the Bible says, face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Such was the intimacy with Moses. And they went into the place, the tent of meeting. But the Bible says when Moses left the tent of meeting, his young age, Joshua, in Exodus 33, he stayed in the tent. Joshua learned to dwell in the presence of God, and yet here he encounters God on holy ground. There'll be others of us, we've come to know God. We've come to know the presence of God. But I believe God wants to encounter us at a new level. It's a place of encounter, holy ground. The second thought is that holy ground is about preparation. You know, for Moses, he, he was called, he was commissioned, he was assigned if you read the story in, in Exodus 3 and 4, you'll find that, that Moses has got a number of issues. He's got inferiority. He's got insecurity. He's got fear. He's got all manner of hang-ups. He's got all manner of reasons why it shouldn't be him. I don't know if anyone identifies with that. You know, we, we can so easily magnify our inadequacies, the reason why God might not want to use us. And, and it was just like Moses. And yet God deals with those things. He, he comes back, He addresses those things. I believe on holy ground, God deals with our issues. Anyone got issues? You know, that we've all got issues. We've all, we've all at one level or another. You might not have a stinking attitude like you've got an issue, but you might be wrestling with insecurity or inferiority. You might be struggling with your confidence. You, you might... Be unsure that God could use you and your timidity limits what God wants to, to do. But on holy ground, God deals with those things. It's a place of preparation. And I believe here on, on Sunday evenings as well as in our mornings that God's going to do a work. He's going to do a work of preparation in our hearts. He's going to speak into our lives. He's going to put us right. He's going to deal with us so that we can go and be the people He's commissioning us to be just like Moses was. For Joshua, he, he received a strategy. It was a download for him. He was on holy ground and, and God says, right, let me tell you how this is going to work. And he gives him the craziest military strategy that's ever been given to anybody. He says, you see that walled city, the greatest city in the promised land, the first city, Jericho. So what we want to do, and, and most of you, I'm sure, know the story. He says, I want you, as a whole nation, I, I want you to, to go with the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to walk around the walls of Jericho once every day for six days. And then on the seventh day, seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And on the final blow, a long blast, I want you to release a shout. That's how you're going to take Jericho. Who knows? That's a crazy military strategy. But it was God's strategy. God's ways are higher than our ways. And His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And on holy ground, God will answer our issues. Give us direction. Many of us, we can be wrestling. Lord, what do you want us to do? Lord, where do you want me to go? Lord, we, we carry questions. Uh, 
But as we come and we surrender our lives, we bow down, we come in worship, we put him first, we find that actually those things can get answered. On holy ground, it's a place of preparation. On holy ground, thirdly, brings a change of perspective. Can we say perspective? You know that there's a change of perspective. When we encounter God, everything changes. You know, the truth is we're prone to think everything is about us. I know no, none of you would admit that, but the truth is we can be prone to think that it's about us. We can get absorbed in our own lives. Sometimes our, our trials are our pain. Sometimes our desires, our ambition, how we're tracking against others, we can become ensnared in the competition and comparison trap. Can all get mixed up with a desire to serve God. We can become fixated in what is our call and our purpose and whether the Lord's gonna answer our prayers and we can begin to behave if we're not careful as if God is in orbit around our lives. But the truth is, we are in orbit around Him. But on holy ground, things come into perspective. On holy ground, we get a fresh revelation. It's not about us, it's about Him. And actually, if we come to Him and we worship Him, if we humble ourselves on holy ground, actually, He will draw the very best out of us for our lives. And the things we were wrestling with will come to pass anyway. But we have to have a change of perspective. You know, for Moses, he, 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 there were four, what could be seen as legitimate excuses, but then he comes up with a fifth, which isn't an excuse at all. He says, oh, please, Lord, send somebody else. It's like, you've dealt with my inferiority, you've dealt with my inadequacy, you've dealt with my fear, but I just don't want to do it. Anyone ever felt like that? And the Bible says that the Lord's anger burned against Moses. At this point, he came back to him four times on the fifth time, said his anger burned against Moses. Why did his anger burn against Moses? I'll tell you why. Because it wasn't about Moses. It was about the cry of a nation who were in slavery. And if ever the deliverance of Egypt was a picture for anything, it is the salvation of our souls that we who were slaves to sin have been brought out of that place into a place of freedom. It's why baptism this morning, we baptized 16 people. The waters of baptism so powerful. Like Israel went through the Red Sea, we come through the waters of baptism. It's all an incredible picture of what God does with our lives. But you know, it's not about us. And you know, I believe that holy ground is, is not about us having a holy huddle as Christians. And I, I guess it's mainly Christians in the room. And I, I love church. I'm a church boy. If I wasn't leading a church, I'd be at church because I love church. I love worship. I love coming into a space with other believers. But you know, it's not just about us. It's about others. It's about those that are outside of our walls. And ultimately, it's about Him. It's about His glory. I, I think... You know, I, I'm not sure I fully understand this, but I've thought about it many times and deeply where Joshua is faced with the command of the Lord's army and he says to him, are you for us or for our enemies? And the, the answer very clearly ought to be, surely, uh, I'm for you. Because he's, he's bringing them into the promised land and he's the commander of the Lord's armies. But do you know what he says? Did you hear what he said? Did you see what he said? He said, neither. Not, excuse me? Come again, Lord? Is that a typo? Like, who wrote this book? Neither. Why neither? Because it wasn't about Joshua. It was about the Lord. It was about His glory. On a holy ground, we, we remember it's not about us. It's about Him. It's about His glory. You know, our lives can be centered on ourselves. One of the moments that I would describe as holy ground, I mentioned 
a wicker chair. You know, we in our old house used to have a, a little lean-to that, that let water in when it rained. It wasn't much really, but it was a space. And I remember in that space, I was on a long fast. And towards the end of it, I was kneeling down and I was praying. And if I've ever heard God speak to me, he spoke to me in that moment. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, Martin, will you become obscure for me? And I remember, some of you heard this story. I, I, I remember, like, Lord, seriously, I, I really felt God say, will you be obscure for me? I was like, Lord, what does that even mean? And I just, I, I saw that, I, that the Lord was asking me to be in a hidden place. I didn't know what it meant. I thought maybe I would just need to care for somebody that was in need and, and that would be my lot, that would be my life. I remember wrestling and wrestling with a sense of the call of God on my life, wrestling with purpose. I remember saying, but God, you, you call me to, to preach. Lord, what about the prophetic words of my life? What about, what about this and what about that? And what about what I think you wanna do with my life? And I felt the Lord say, but would you be obscure for me? And I remember wrestling. I remember in that moment, it was so vivid and so real. I didn't think I was playing a game. I thought if I said yes, then my life would dramatically change and I would live a hidden life. I remember wrestling for what seemed like an eternity. It was probably about 20 minutes. And I literally counted the cost of my life. And I remember on my knees saying, God, if you go with me, Lord, I'll be obscure for you. I remember I'd no longer caught my breath and the Holy Spirit said, will you be prominent for me? Now, let me tell you that the, the ugliest thing when you've just embraced obscurity on the planet is prominence. I was like, no, Lord, I don't want to be prominent. I'm cool. I'm really, I'm good with obscurity. Like, seriously, God. Like, I, I do not, I don't want to be prominent. I don't want my, my weaknesses amplified. I, you know, I, Lord, you know, send Mark Beswick. I'm like, Lord, seriously, like, I, like, I'm cool. Like, seriously, let me be obscure. And he said, but would you be prominent for me? I was like, Lord, I really don't want to be prominent. It's ugly. Prominence is ugly. Prominence is dangerous. Pro Lord, I don't want to be, please. Let me be obscure. And he's like, would you be prominent for me? And I remember having to go through the same exercise in reverse and saying, oh God, Lord, if you go with me, I'll be prominent for you. And I'd no longer caught my breath. And he said, will you give me your house? And he led me systematically through the re-surrender of everything. Little did I know that at that time behind our back, the Lord was conspiring things to bring us here to Coventry. And it's been such an incredible journey for us in coming here and standing on the shoulders of Mick and Sandra and and what they built here, and, and it's been amazing, but you know, I had to come to a place where I knew it wasn't about me. On holy ground, on holy ground, we have to come to a place where we know it's about God, it's not, it's not about us. And finally, Sarah, will you come? Holy ground paves the way for breakthrough. Moses comes out of holy ground, and he leads Israel out. Joshua comes, comes out of holy ground, and and leads Israel into the promised land, which is an incredible metaphor for, for the bringing of the kingdom. It's the metaphor of us realizing everything that God has got for us. And I believe God wants to bring breakthrough into many lives. God wants to bring breakthrough into your life. Maybe like Moses, he, maybe he wants to, to bring you into a place of deliverance. Maybe you don't yet know the saving grace and the saving power of God. He wants to bring a breakthrough into your life where you would know Him. Maybe you do know Him. Maybe like Joshua, you, the Lord is, is wanting to bring you and lead you into a place of possessing everything that God has purposed and planned for your life. But let me tell you, at one level or another, you can use whatever metaphor you like, but for me, 
It takes place on holy ground. It takes place when we surrender our hearts to Him. It takes place when we, we lay down the things that we would hold on to and we say, God, have your, have your way in me. And I want as we come into close, if we can pray together, if we can close our eyes. I just want to invite you to consider your own life before God. Jesus. Are you willing to say, Lord, have your way in me? Are you willing to say, God, do whatever you want with my life? And in a moment, I'm gonna invite the band to come and we're gonna just take a few minutes, a bit of time See what the Lord wants to do here tonight. And as the band come and lead us out, I'm gonna invite us to respond in some way. See, for some of us across the room, we might wanna kneel down. Like Joshua knelt down. You, you might wanna take your shoes off. And if you're doing that as a sign to say, God, I, I, want, I wanna stand on holy ground. I want my heart to be holy ground. And as we do that, we, we consecrate this evening service, this six at CLM, whatever God wants to do here, we say, Lord, let it be holy ground. Let this space become holy ground. Lord, we're not interested in, in just putting on services for the sake of services or preaching sermons for the sake of sermons. We want to encounter you. Lord, will you let this be holy ground? And I wonder if we can stand together. Because for Moses and for Joshua, they, they began in a place where they were stood up and they made a response of humility. They had to remove their shoes or they knelt down. We're gonna go into this song and as we do it, I'm gonna invite some of you. You might even wanna come down the front and, and kneel down to respond in some way. If you're responding, you're saying, Lord, I, I wanna meet you on holy ground. Let my heart be holy ground. You might want to push out of your seat. Uh -uh. I'm not looking for a particular response from you. Just do what you need to do. But is your heart, if your heart is after God and say, God, I, I want to serve you with everything I've got. Let my life become holy ground. Let me meet you on holy ground. Let this place become holy ground.